everybody. We have preempted our weekly series uh, this Sunday, and uh, Pastor Dustin Wharton and I are going to be sharing a message in light of the recent tragic event that happened this past week. But before we go any further, I want to welcome all of you Fort Hill football players and uh, congratulate you on your victory yesterday in the homecoming game. Yes. Uh, and I want to say it's an honor to have you with us today, as along with uh, many of the coaching staff and also uh, any Allegheny representatives here, football players, coaches, uh, alma mater, uh, welcome today. Um, I want to commend you for something more than winning a game, and that was uh, to see you guys uh, as men of character uh, responding and rallying around one another and inspiring our entire community, our entire community. Many of us had never heard of Saquon Jenkins, unfortunately, before a few days ago. But he is somebody that will never be forgotten. And I know, and you know, that his life will not and should not be defined by what happened to him, but by who he is and who he was. And I know that that's what you know, and that's what I want to talk about as well. We, uh, I was deeply troubled after hearing the disturbing news of what took place at Fort Hill the other day, and that's my alma mater. I graduated in 1979. My dad quarterback Fort Hill in the old Turkey Day game in 1955, to a victory, by the way, not to brag, but to a victory. Um, I wanted to be a power forward for the Boston Celtics, and so I didn't play football. Didn't work out for me either. Um, but I, I couldn't sleep that night when I heard about what happened, and I became restless, and I knew the next day was the day that I prepped for Sunday to what to preach on, and I'm in a series in a book of the Bible, and I felt troubled that we weren't supposed to go there. I was so unsettled. I woke up the next morning and I, I heard a, a voice say to my heart, talk to the people on this subject, evil, uninvited. And I thought, gosh, it's Thursday and I don't even know, where, what do I even say with all that? And I felt like the same voice said, you have a couple days, you'll work it out. So on the way to breakfast on Friday morning, I knew Dustin was going to be at breakfast and some of you guys go to that same breakfast. And I said, Dustin, would you be interested in tag team preaching with me on Sunday and uh, talking about what took place and, and see what, what God might do? And he said, of course. So that's where we are today. Um, there are no words that I can give to explain what happened. There are no words or message that anybody can bring that will remove the pain and the sadness and the questions and the mystery and the anger and the frustration so my message is not intended to do that, but rather it's my hope that God, who loves the whole world and loves each one of you and each one of us, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you know about him, what you've done, he knows about you and he knows about us, and in spite of our worst, his love is poured out constantly like the sun that blazes in the sky. So my prayer is that he'll come today and swallow up our questions with his kindness and his presence and strengthen us. My part this morning before Dustin comes is to give a little bit of a Bible backdrop that tells us what's behind all this evil 
evil uninvited, the evil, the deceiving, the hate, the division, the darkness that's all around us. And Jesus tells us where it comes from and who it comes from. In the Gospel of John, he describes the one who brings it this way. He, meaning the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In another talk, a few days later, he continues to describe who this one is that brings the evil uninvited. He calls him a thief. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This thief, this deceiver, this murderer, this true hater, this liar was here before you and I were ever born. He deceived our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden, and through his subtlety and deceptive tongue, deceived them into disobeying God, and that opened the gates of hell and evil to invade our world. As sin entered the world through one man, and death came through that sin, death has come upon all of us because all have sinned. But when we talk about death from a biblical perspective, it's not just about physically dying. We're all going to physically die. But this is a death that goes deeper. It's, it, it talks about darkness and deception and division and destruction. Instead of living in the glory and the goodness and the grace and the love and purposes of God. This passage describes it this way to all of us. At one time, at one time, we too were foolish. We too were disobedient. We were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And then look at this. We all lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Do you know what is worse than being hated? Allowing that hate to make you hateful. There's something that will kill you worse than having somebody not love you. And that is to receive the hate that someone puts on you and turn you into a hater. There are a lot of reasons to get hard in this world, right? And unfortunately, evil comes to us and he doesn't ask our permission if we're ready for it. He comes. And he doesn't play fair. What you guys experienced this week was not fair wasn't right. Something inside of you and something inside of us, regardless of whether we're a Christian, regardless of what we believe in our philosophies, there's something down on the deep part of every one of us that says, this isn't right, right? This is wrong. This shouldn't be the way it is. Is that correct? We all know that. We all feel it. And we all want to do something about it. But here's the problem. We live in a natural world, engaged in a spiritual battle that's beyond the natural world. That's what Jesus said. There's a murderer, there's a thief, there's a liar who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and he doesn't care if you're a good athlete, he doesn't care if you're smart, he doesn't care if you're rich, cute, good-looking, he doesn't care if you're popular. All bets are off, uninvited. He has an intention, but, everybody say but. But there's someone greater than him. There's someone greater than him. And that's Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible says the one who made us didn't leave us to fight this evil by ourselves. And it says it like this, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. You want to know how to describe who Jesus is? Now, there's people that think Jesus is a Republican. Jesus is a Democrat. Jesus is just trying to, up there with a thing, well, you did wrong. You're out of here. You're going to hell. No, no. Here's how the Bible describes Jesus. The kindness and love of God. When the kindness and love of God for us appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You know what's cool I love about the Bible? 600 years before Jesus was born, there was this prophet named Isaiah. And God told him about the plan that he had to rescue all of us from evil. And 600 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah described Jesus coming in the world like this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So here's the thing. Evil has come again. And sadly, evil will come again. And the truth is this. I want to give you four points real fast. Number one, we're not ready for it. It comes uninvited. Evil comes uninvited. Even if we're prayed up, even if we're filled up with faith, even if we're overflowing with love, we are in a spiritual war and the evil things don't give us warning when they come. How many of you know you weren't ready for that, right? You weren't ready for what took place the other day. And did evil ask your permission? No. Number two, we can't make a deal with evil. Here's what I mean by that. We can't educate it away. Although education, man, is one of the most important things you can, you can invest in in your life. Right? It's one of the most important things. And you might say, well, I don't know how smart I am. I don't know how much I... Listen, when the God who made everything lives inside of you, you don't have to necessarily be educated, but if you listen, he can make you look smart even if you don't know what you're doing. But you can't educate evil away, and you can't spend enough money to make it go away. No matter what the governor or the country invests in education in our county, would, did that stop what took place the other day? And it's important. Everybody should have a fair shake at their best to get their best job, have their best life, right? Economic investment in, in, in your life is important. But it can't make evil go away. And I'll tell you another thing. We can't pretend like it isn't there. You had something you were looking forward to going down those 52 steps. That's where your mind was. That's where your mind should have been. That's what it should have been like when number three would have been out there on that field with you guys bringing home the win. But that's not what happened. Here's number three. God has a remedy for the effects of it. We can try to fight it. We can try to get upset about it. We can try to go back and fix it. Can't fix it. A guy that was murdered under Hitler, who was a pastor in Germany, 
made this statement. He said, God in his mercy, may God in his mercy lead us through these times. But above all that, may he lead us to himself. Because what we need the most is a, is a hymn, not a thing. I was 17 years old, sitting in a service, Sunday service, just like you guys. The guy sitting behind me was one of my partying buddies who was the best running back in the whole state of Maryland. He played for Allegheny. I sat in front of him. He sat behind me. My parents made me go to church. I didn't want to be in church. Actually, there's times I still don't want to be in church. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't want to be in church. I told my father, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to stand when they say to sing. Everybody else is doing their hallelujahs, and I'm just sitting there. And my friend Eric sitting behind me, I looked at him, looked at me, like, can you believe we had to be there? At the end of that service, heaven's Savior came down in an uninvited way and filled my heart with a presence that was knocking at the door. A pressure I didn't want, I didn't invite. A convincing reality as he knocked on the door that he was real and he wanted me. He wanted me and had a plan for my life. And I surrendered that morning to his uninvited invitation. And you know what happened to me that morning? Something I never knew in my life I experienced. A love I never knew, a forgiveness that I never thought I needed. It came flooding into my life. He has a remedy for the effects of evil that's happened to you. He wants to fill you with him, give you a purpose. And what people say that you'll never be, and what your circumstances might say that because of those, those things, good won't happen to you, here's what I know. Here's what I've seen. He is able to do more than you can imagine or you can think according to the power that he puts on the inside of you. And in that power, we have a responsibility to contend with evil God's way. God's way. Here's what the scripture says. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Do you know why God doesn't want to take matters in our own hands? Because then matters are in our own hands. And God has a plan to reach everybody with the gospel. So here's what we do. It's against our nature, but it's like Jesus. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's, you want to talk about a power that can change the world? Right here. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Right now, evil is knocking at your door saying, you know what? Fix it your way. You know how you overcome the liar? You know how you overcome the one that animated that young man? You say, no, thank you. And you say instead, God, I believe you have a plan for my life. And I open my life to you and your son. Bring the remedy of this, for this pain, this hurt, this mystery, this tragedy, and put the presence of your love on the inside of me. And that's how God will use you as he's using you now. It's my honor to have you with us today. Dustin. 
powerful words from scripture. Um, man, it's hard to uh, come and try to share. I've been asking the Lord, you know, help me to get in your guys' shoes. Help me to feel what you're feeling. Because honestly, when I got the call to come to the service, um, I had like a numbness come over. You ever have that? Like I'm an emotional person if you know me. Yeah, like I cry easily, whatever. <laughs> but I like had a numbness. I'm like, I can't feel. You ever been there? Raise your hand if you ever felt that. Like a num- Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm trying, trying to feel. I think sometimes God's wanting to speak to you in that too, in that numbness. With crisis comes an opportunity for revival. If you look at the history in Scripture, many times when when things were going terribly was the perfect time for God to come on the scene. Have you ever read Galatians where it talks about our sin and then it says, but God, but God. My situation looks like this. My circumstance looks like this. My life looks like this. But God, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of evil uninvited, but God. We want our world to change. Someone say amen. Amen. But there is a process to seeing our world change. A commitment to a way, the way, a renewal, a standing in the face of evil, even when it feels as if it will not budge and it won't ever budge. You ever feel that? When the giant stands in our way, but we press on. This is called perseverance. Your coaches ever talk to you about that? No truly good thing comes, no truly good thing in life comes without perseverance. Marriage, family, work, ministry, life, health, fitness, being a success in football, none of it comes without perseverance. The only way you can be successful in life and considered thriving is only through perseverance. So here we are in a tragic in horrific, unmentionable situation. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? See, I, when I played, uh, college, I played college football, I played defense. I was a sandbacker, outside linebacker. A little bit smaller now. Don't judge me. Whatever. Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> uh, i got to just, just stay in shape is the goal right now. Stay healthy. Oh. Uh, so I played football in college. We had this thing, you know, you, you be out there on defense. You only play one way. You're out there on defense and you get a turnover on downs, right? The offense is out on the field. You expect them to drive the ball down the field and score a touchdown. But there will be times where you'll be sitting there. You'll just be relaxing, drinking some water, talking to the coach, maybe making some strategy changes or whatever. There'll be a time when the defensive coordinator will come over and say, sun change, sun change, sun change. You ever heard that? Sun change. What that means is something unexpected happened. The offense turned it over, threw an interception, fumbled the ball, whatever. 
And the defensive coordinator would come over and say, sudden change, sudden change. And the defense, we'd have to go, have to get our helmets on, we had to get out on the field, and we had to respond to the unexpected situation. And you know what the key to sudden change was? If you look at the statistics, the team that won the game was how well they responded to sudden change. The team that ended up being successful was when we go back out there on the field when it was unexpected and they try to throw a bomb on first down. How are we going to respond? Now, this is a game. I'm talking about a game and we're talking about life today. But every single person, you ask any single person in this room, you've all experienced sudden change. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a bankruptcy. Maybe it was a death. Maybe it was a situation where you feel like God left you, let you down or someone let you down. It was unexpected, man. I was ra- relaxing. I had peace. I had security. I had comfort. The situation was perfectly right. And here it is. Someone's yelling in my ear. Sudden change. Sudden change. I'm going to tell you the most important thing in your life today is how you respond to sudden change. And this will not be the only time you experience sudden change. Martin Luther King Jr. says the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at the time of challenge and controversy. I can hear him now calling out sudden change, sudden change. How are we going to respond? Your situation cannot change, but you can your circumstance, I'm not just talking to the football team. I know I'm looking at them a lot. I'm talking to everybody in here. Oftentimes we can pray about it and that's great. And we want it to change. Many times this world's just the way that it is. And, it, and it's tough. It stinks. But even if your situation doesn't change, you can. And you can influence your situation. I think back to moments of my life with sudden change. I think about my roommate in college whose mom died our junior year from breast cancer. She was everything to him. To our solid rock in this church, Mark Rose, who died of sickness while we were all praying and contending. Sudden change. What's your sudden change? I think about my whole life, my dream of playing in the NFL and getting hurt, man, and sudden change, just like that. How are you going to respond? I think about what came of it. Now, I could have had everything. My wife, my family, my kids. Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't trade it for a day. But in the midst of it, it's hard to see it. With this circumstance comes an opportunity, both negative and positive, for the individual and for your circle and your people. You have an opportunity, as Pastor Tim said, to get bitter to be resentful, to be hardened, and to blame people or God. Let's know where the blame goes. It's the father of lies, the enemy. But you, have an op- also, you will also have an opportunity to see your life as the vapor that it really is. Here today and gone tomorrow. To see your teammates in your school and your friends and your coaches and your family as the gift that they are. And don't take it for granted to live your life now in the view of the next, in light of eternity. 
Again, every crisis, with every crisis comes an opportunity. In the church, at your school, in your life, your family, with us guys, with every crisis in the United States, with every crisis in our community comes a chance for us to not be resentful and bitter and be hateful, but to come together for a specific purpose, united. Because if we are united, the Bible says in Psalms 133, that's where the anointing flows and that's where the Spirit of God is. So let's stand together. Let's be present together with each other. And I have a final few thoughts that I want to encourage you with. When I think about it, think back on Saquon coming to youth group when I was the youth pastor here. I mean, you got like, I think back to my interactions with him. Mm. What, what was I, God, what was I like? What did I preach? What, was there a response? Did he ask questions? I think over and over. Lord, did I make the most of my opportunity when I saw that cool, chill, just laid back dude walk into the move and I shake his hand with Lance? What was it? You know what I mean? What was all You start to think back. And the enemy can lie to you. And we can't listen to the lies of the enemy. We have to trust the Lord. But, but oftentimes you can't change it. You just have to move forward. So how am I going to be with you? How am I going to be with our family? How are we going to be with the students moving forward? Because it is. Life is just a vapor. Ollie, it's just a vapor, man. And we think everybody has their life ahead of them. And it's so hard to see it taken away from somebody. He deserved it. He deserved life. He deserved a full life, length of days, God. You can think like that. We can't listen to the enemy. We have to listen to the Lord. And we know that in every situation, we have an opportunity for revival, but we have an opportunity to have hope because of Jesus. So the final three things I want to encourage you with is number one is be strong. Be strong. And when I say this, you might think, man, I just, am I talking about like this, this big guy, this big tough guy? Actually, when I was writing this, I thought of Bambi shaking. I thought of a deer just being born. And I just, just be strong. Just be strong. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Hmm, take heart, I have overcome. It's not just take heart, it'll be all right for a little while. No, take heart, I'm the one that's overcome and stronger than the world and stronger than the enemy. This comes from Ephesians 6, um, and you can look at it later, 6.10. But the next thing is stand. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then Paul talks about when, when the day of evil comes, by putting on the full armor, by being in the presence of the Lord, having the connection with Jesus, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, he says in Ephesians 6, stand firm then. And the first thing that he says is with the belt of truth. Belt of truth. Not listening to the lies. And then the final thing is this. Shine your light. Lance, shine your light. Shine your light. Let me read this real quick. John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
And the word was God, the logos, the purpose and meaning of life. The word was God. This is Jesus he's talking, to, talking about. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Someone say amen. Shine your light. Shine your light. The darkness has no power against the light of the Lord. It says that Jesus lives in unapproachable light. The enemy can't even approach the light of Jesus, and it's in you. And it's in you. So I'm going to ask Lance and the team to come up here, if y'all are all right with that. And uh, I asked Lance to share just a few words regarding the situation and um, I feel like, let me move this over here, actually. Come on, guys, don't be afraid. Y'all just played it in front of like 8,000 people. You can, you can stand up here on the stage. Lance said, um, I, when I called him, yes, it was no Friday. I said, will you share a few words with us, maybe pray for the church? And he said, he called me back, said, I'm in under two conditions. My team's up there with me. And, <laughs> and they have a spot to sit at church. Isn't that awesome? Give it up for Lance, man. Now, I'm grateful we have some young people willing to stand in the gap for others. The Lord says to Ezekiel, he says, who will stand in the gap? Who will stand in the gap for me? And there's a lot of evil in this world. But then God calls certain people and certain kids in certain situations for such a time as this to stand in the gap and to bring hope and to bring purpose and to ultimately shine in the midst of evil. And one of those people is my brother, Lance Bender. I think the world of him. Lance is here today and brought his entire football team. And you guys are all standing together in the midst of this tragic situation. But glory to God that they're staying together and they're being for each other. Come on, can we just give God praise for that? It's just incredible. Go ahead, okay, so uh, like Dustin said, I'm Lance and this is my team. Uh, so on Thursday, whenever uh, you know, everything went down in the school. One of the first people I called was my grandfather. And uh, I didn't really have to say anything, but I told him what happened. And the first thing he did was pray with me. And so he prays with me and he gives me some encouraging words. And then his tone kind of changes. And after we're done praying, he says to me, Lance, wipe away your tears. These guys need you. And God needs you and Kwan needs you. So wipe off your tears and go be a leader. And so I wipe off my tears and I go outside and uh, we all pray together uh, and ultimately I end up going home. We all end up going home. Some people went to the hospital, whatever. And I just remember laying in my bed thinking, why? You know, why God, why did this happen? And uh, I think back to Acts 12 where there's Peter, James, and John. This is after Jesus has already passed away and risen again. And uh, King Herod arrests James and beheads him. And then he sees how much the people loved it. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take you next, Peter. And he arrests him. And he's in jail. And uh, 
for some reason, God sends his angels and he takes Herod out of jail, or he takes uh, Peter out of jail and he guides him out of the city. So why did he do that? You know, why James? Why not Peter? And you think back, well, Jesus also told Peter he's going to build his church upon him. And if Peter had sat there and he was grieving the whole time, he didn't worry about what God wanted him to do, what would have happened? Would we be in church right now doing the same thing that we are? So I wipe away my tears. The news gets out that Quan passed away. And the guys in the group chat are texting me, and I say, all right, let's all go to my grandfather's church, and we'll just be together. And so my dad calls Dustin, and I get Oliver and Josh Thrasher up there and Hunter, and we all come in, and we're just sitting there in silence. And Dustin says some encouraging words, and then ultimately around 6.30, we end up leaving. And I'm sitting there waiting, and somebody volunteers at the church to have a candlelight vigil. So now I'm like, well, what am I going to do? You know, I, for some reason, people thought it was me. I had no clue this was all happening. So me and my dad and Coach Alkire just kind of throw something together. We get all set up, and uh, at 7.30, there's hundreds of people coming in. There's, if you can picture Williams Road at Grace Brethren, you go all the way up the hill. There's people parked up at the nursing home on the top of the hill. There's people parked all the way out Willowbrook Road to the hospital. There's at least 100 people outside. The whole church is packed inside. We have a candlelight vigil. I led a little bit of it, but then ultimately uh, Pastor Jason Smith came and finished it. And at the end of the service, uh, he prayed a prayer. And I, I would be willing to bet that there wasn't a single person in there that didn't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And even if only one person meant that out of the hundreds in there, uh, you know, we know that heaven's rejoicing. Now, what would have happened if instead of getting the people together, I would have just sat there and grieved? If I wouldn't have done that, you know, what would have happened to all those people who were hurting and in a time of need if I would have just waited and uh, been selfish? So basically what I wanted to leave you with is even whenever you're in a time of need, even whenever you're in a time of hurt, uh, don't stop walking in the path that God has for you because whenever you walk in the path and the plan that God has for you, it allows the plans that he has for everybody else and his own plans to unfold. I'm going to ask Ollie to come up, Pastor Ollie, our youth pastor, and he's going to pray with us. But uh, ultimately, I, I want to give everybody an opportunity to respond to this because um, it, might not, it might not be Quan's situation that you're dealing with, which so many of us are dealing with, but it might be something else. And how amazing for Lance to stand up here, like his best friend, you know, to be gone, and to be so young, but to stand with such wisdom and grace and strength. It's so admirable, man. It's just incredible. And I want that. I want that in the midst of my sudden change. I want that in my life. Maybe you. Why, why don't we just, can we all stand together and the, the band can come up? And, I'll, and I want us to quit. Why don't, why don't you guys go head down? So I want us to have a response at the altar for every person. And then, and I want Ollie to pray for us. Okay, man? If there are any um, of our youth students here, can you guys come up here also to the altar? And then leaders as well, please. 
We just finished a series um, called The Lampstand not too long ago. And it was the idea that if you think about a lampstand sitting in the darkness, the whole room is just dark. Very simple analogy. If there's no light in there, the room is dark. And I challenge the kids to be the light in the very dark. You guys come up here, please. Up, I'll fill up the whole entire front row. You have to be in one corner. But I challenge the students to, um, in the very dark world, as in one we just experienced not too long ago, to be a lampstand, where when that light flickers, they're revealing Jesus to the world. And I think it was important to know because darkness is everywhere, but one single light of Jesus inside of every student can change everything. If you think about it, what we're doing right now started with 12 people. 12. Look where we are thousands of years later. So I would like the everybody else to extend your hand to these students and to this team here, please, because I firmly and strongly believe that these are the lights that Christ wants to use in these schools, in these families, in these situations. And I want to pray over that, that the light of the Holy Spirit just shines forever and ever and ever and ever in these young people. So Heavenly Father, with our arms stretched out to these little ones, to these young ones, to this team, your word that lasts forever and ever says that you will never forsake us nor leave us, Lord. And that includes in these dark times. And I believe that word because I believe that your spirit that you've placed in these people shines so much more brightly in these terrible times. As a church, you want to encourage these students, encourage this team, encourage those who may not even know who you are, that you would never leave them nor forsake them despite what's going on everywhere else around them. We believe every bit of your word, Lord. And those students may not even feel it or truly understand it. You are doing a miraculous thing in their lives right now. Them being here in this building, Lord, was not an accident, not a coincidence. It is intentional by you, set by you from forever ago. And I pray that as the weeks go by, the months go by, the years go by, that the memory of Saquon, Lord, 
Bring smiles and joy and remember the good things and not the terrible situation that took place. For you work everything, every single thing for your good. And we believe that, Lord. Be with these students, be with this team. We love you, but more importantly, we thank you for how much you love every single one of us in this room. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen.